Welcome to Season 2, Episode 10 of TCC Talk. This is Luke Fay, alongside head coach of the TCC women's basketball team, Matt Huddleston. Matt, how are you doing? It was a tough loss yesterday, but you guys battled in double overtime. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think in this era of social media and everything, the battle you have is just, you know, how do you communicate what you achieved when it wasn't always when it wasn't about the final score at the end of that game you know i think all season uh the end goal of this team is to to eventually reach a certain culture about the way we play defense about the way we play offense um and about just playing as team basketball i think uh you know being reliant on one player or two players but actually trying to have every stat sheet show every player contribute but, you know, this was a game where there were some things you can't see on a stat sheet. You know, we had we have 12 young women on the team, but only half of them, 50% of them, are, are able to compete right now, a litany of injuries. But, you know, 12 players did contribute to that win because of the culture, the bench. You know, at the beginning of the season, that was a big discussion. What is, what is our bench energy? And our bench energy was amazing. Just looking at the game, the last two games, really, you guys have had six players only able to play. Looking at this whole season, you mentioned you had 12 players coming in, um, a litany of injuries, but to see how you guys have performed in these last two games, especially yesterday, given the six players, does that go back to what you started at the beginning of the season, talking about conditioning, knowing your role, and, and really being smart at the end because you guys really didn't have any foul trouble going into the, the final minutes of double overtime? Yeah, Um, you know, and I know actually I think if somebody would pull up the stat sheet now, there's one or two errors on there make it look like we were in foul trouble. But, um, but, you know, what it – what it represents. We, I mean, there was a, definitely an effort. Uh, hopefully every program in the country, you know, puts an effort into conditioning. I think, um, you know, we put a real effort into conditioning. We put a real – I think a real effort into – what is our mental approach to the game? Because to be honest with you, I don't know if any of our practices, uh, because of injuries for the past you know month or two or even pretty much the whole season, have we been able to really condition and practice, which is what most coaches would do. Um, so you know, there's a mental conditioning piece. And when you have players like Sadeja Payne, who was fighting through some early uh, medical issues that you know that affected her, some sports-related asthma and some other things that you know that we you know here we are at the end of the season and she's playing you know forty probably forty some odd minutes in that game and yeah she had a cramp and the final buzzer went off but you know they, there's a way of the preparation the what you eat the way you attack the game in the day. And I think that that was probably the best representation. I, I, I think I said it last night on Twitter. You know, it, they those six young women represented what we want this program to be about. And this year, you know, kind of the tagline became no excuses. There, we could have walked in uh, probably the first ten games of the season and just started making excuses. You know, Anna uh, Nicolacina, who was Nicola. Nicola Kachina, Anna, you know, suffered a almost traumatic injury basically the day before our first game. 
and I think she was a player a lot of people expected us to kind of lean on. Um, but from before that point, from the point I got, you know, I arrived here, you know, I think the message, I don't know if every player always buys into it, is the end goal is to have the whole team play. Um, Luckily for us, uh, we did, when people were healthy, get to play them a lot. And so towards the end of the season, you know, everybody knew what to do, how to do it. Um, You know, unfortunately, you know, the bodies um, of the players who've been playing, even those six that were on the floor, I don't know if a doctor would <laughs> run down the list and say they were, any of them were playing at 100% given how many minutes they've had to play. But, uh, but the heart, the heart was the part. You know, you hear coaches say you can't measure heart, and that, that was a great example of it. Looking back at, at this season, what was the most important game um, that you'll look to and represent your team headed into next year? So, you know, overall strategy, long-term for the program, um, you know, I do want to be a team that that does look to shoot the ball more. And, and we were putting up attempts. I think our first game of the season is where maybe at the end of my career I, I'll look back at something like that and say, okay, we finally figured it out. We figured out how to put up that number of three-pointers and complete a higher percentage. I think we attempted, I know we set the TCC record for most threes appointed and uh, uh, most threes attempted in a game in our first game with like 40 attempts. And we lost, um, but it was a heck of a game. And it definitely, at the, at the end, it's part of a piece of the puzzle. I think probably turning point mentally for our team really came in the form of the some key upsets this year. Um, Gulf Coast and Chipola, two legendary coaches, um, two people I've known for most of my career, uh, extremely talented teams, extremely well-coached teams. And I think, you know, in this conference, I think when players come in, they look on the – they look up there at the schedule, and those are two teams that they – that they mark on their calendar. And in both of those games where our strategy changed for what this team needed to do best this year, where it took a heavier lean, was on the half-court defensive side. We weren't going to be able to press the amount I wanted to press due to the lack of bodies. In those two games, we won uh, We won them with just seven players. Um, you know, so when you look back, you know, you, when you hold a, a – program like Gulf Coast to 42 points um, you know that's that's something you circle and you look back years later and you say and when you have a team that's maybe not reacting defensively you review yourself a coach what was I what was I doing then especially when I only had seven players um, so you know Chipola again you know Greg does an incredible job there and and I think you know winning that game on the road um, was a big mark for us too. And we had a little bit of drop off from there. Pensacola, great program, and I think you know a program that that we also know comes to play hard. So the, you know, yeah, they're all conference, but that that's really at the end of the day when you're in the Panhandle, I think you're going to measure yourself by how you perform in conference. How have you had to adapt your coaching style? given the injuries and everything that's happened this year? Or, or what else have you learned as well from this season? You know, I think coaches, if you're not always learning and growing and 
you know, I, I think anybody who thinks, especially in the two-year system, I think anybody that thinks that you can come in with one strategy and win with one strategy is is probably not going to be terribly successful in a conference like ours. Um, the turnover of players, um, you know, and here's the situation. I was hired in late August. Um, you know, basically I'm brand new to the players. Uh, they're brand new to me. Uh, I have certain goals in mind and, and you have to adjust them a little bit, you know, injuries, also personnel, you know, and that, and that goes with, you know, who you're able to recruit long-term and, and we only have two years to teach something, how in depth can you really get into it? Um, so, you know, uh, I probably leaned a little bit more this year on my experience from club basketball when it came to little playing a little more flexibly from a coaching style standpoint being a little bit more flexible with the players when it came to practice intensity um, because, uh, I mean, when we compete, we want to compete hard, but, but you know, we're not going to, with six healthy players, seven, I think we average probably seven, seven and a half healthy players throughout the season from beginning to end. Like, there's just, there's a limit. There's a real limit. You know, I spend more time at the orthopedic clinic than I do uh, practicing lately. So, How would you grade year one for yourself? You guys sit at 12 and 13, a big contest headed up against Gulf Coast State. How would you grade it knowing that you came in at the beginning of the season a little late? You know, I look, I different people get into coaching for different reasons. I think everybody knows that. The end, the I will measure myself. Uh, this year, my measure is pretty simply, um, you know, how I adjust to two-year basketball, how I adjusted to, uh, you know, the obstacles that were put in our way um, and how we overcame them. When it comes to that, you know, I, I'm grade my, I'll let somebody else grade me, but, uh, you know, grading our team's approach to it, you know, I, I would give them a pretty high marks. I mean, you have the majority of this organization, the only player with significant playing time and experience uh, was not going to play this season, Deja Bradford. And so, you know, her leadership was extremely helpful. She uh, matured a ton this season, I think, showing her teammates what a competitive player looks like at this level. Um, for the other 11 players, you know, Rochelle didn't play a lot of minutes last year, had to play an important role this year. You know, I, I, I really give them high marks. There was a point where I was really worried that that they would start making kind of mental excuses for why some losses were adding up. But when you look at our margin of loss, it's really not that great. You take out a couple of games and and we're playing the most compet we're playing one of the most competitive schedules in the country. I think I looked at one point and we were our strength of schedule was like seventh in the country or something. I mean, and that's basically because of conference play. So it doesn't get easier, you know, and and how they reacted to that. Did they learn, you know, I get into coaching about life lessons, about what they do with what they learn here, and listening to them and the way they talk to each other and encourage each other and, and watching them learn to just come show up, work, work hard, not make excuses in the classroom, you know, of our uh, 10 players on scholarship in our first semester, you know, seven of them finish an honor roll or better 
Um, so those, those are the things I'll measure the team by. I, I think long-term what I'll look at is what happens with these young women when they're done with college. Did they, did they successfully take something from this into their own lives, and how do they contribute back? One more game this season. You guys sit at 12 and 13. You have a chance to get to 500, uh, but you're going to play a tough contest at Gulf Coast State. How important would it be to finish the season in the winner's circle? Oh, I, I mean, you always you always want to win. You compete to win. You don't compete to lose. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a place in our hearts as a team that we know we can. Uh, we almost had them at their place the first go around. Um, you know, obviously we beat them here at home. Uh, they are on a roll. You know, they're kind of hitting the marks they were hitting early in the season again. Um, so some life, you know, seeing some real life over there at Gulf Coast and the way they're playing. And, and I guarantee you, they, I guarantee you Gulf Coast has this game circled on their calendar. Uh, I know Rooney, and I respect her competitive nature, but there's no way Rooney hasn't circled this on the calendar after, you know, the game we had here. So um, so it'll be a good matchup, a good boxing match, you know, four rounds of, of uh, throwing some shots at each other, and, and we'll see where things fall. But I, I think we're prepared. I think the six players that will be, be playing are going to bring everything they got to the game, and, you know, Hopefully, you know, hopefully the stars align for us, shots fall, and, and we play the type of defense we did last night. And I think we got a really good shot. Looking at this season, is there a player that stood out to you that improved the most throughout the season? So, uh, yeah, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> With what will basically equate is, you know, nine freshmen – one sophomore who's kind of growing into a role, uh, a walk-on, and somebody sitting out. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, I know Luke doesn't want me to say team, but team culture is its own, you know, has its own role as a player. You know, there's there's an energy about the way you talk to each other that I, I – I don't know how to explain it. When you start the season and people have difficulty because of the nature of basketball these days and social media again, you know, and the way they they try to encourage each other is not always the most constructive. And to net, then at the end of the season, to see players actively encouraging and practice on the you go into our study hall twice a week, crossing the room to help each other study finding notes they had and just things that weren't happening at the beginning of the season. I, I don't know if there's any one person to just isolate and, 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 you know, say that they, they did something special on their own because they definitely didn't do it without their teammates. Looking at this team, you mentioned that they were going to be one of the great scoring teams. You wanted them to put up a bunch of points, but this year you guys were actually one of the best defensive teams in the conference. Can you talk about that? Yeah, if there was a plus, if the biggest plus this year, and you know, maybe anybody, I don't know how many people listen to our podcast here, but um, you know, talking to some other coaches in the business and just you know, sharing experiences, which I think is part of this. Um, I think when you do face those forks in the road and those obstacles, sometimes you have to set uh, rather than saying I'm changing what I'm doing, just set different emphasis points. You know, uh, 
as Luke and and many around here know, I love stats and I can spend way too much time in them. But you know the the field goal percentage of your opposition is um, field goal percentage in your of your opposition is something that you look at from a defensive standpoint. What are we holding other teams to in terms of their shooting percentages? And, you know, in conference play, which I think is the real measure, I think, to compare us to um, not, not sliding any teams. We've played some really good non-conference foes. But in, in conference play, you know, we were number one in three-point field goal percentage defense, meaning the percent of successful three-point field goal attempts uh, that other teams attempted. And, and you look at the league we're in. I mean, that, that says something, especially – when we give up a lot of height in the guard positions um, and a lot of experience with our youth. But, um, you know, also in just overall field goal percentage defense, you know, being ranked, being one of the top two teams in our conference, given, again, experience, size, and maybe what some of the expectations were early. Now, the benefit for us in that, and so defensively we were, our plan was with depth, with healthy bodies, was to press more, which would have had some similar um, results, uh, but more and less than uh, it would have been less about field goal attempts and more about turnovers. So we kind of adjusted statistically what our goals were to focus more on field goal stops versus turnovers. So we emphasize more half court defense and and understanding half court defense and communication and and those results were huge. You know, offensively. I do want to be a, uh, a higher scoring team, but that requires a pace to the game. And in order to, if you look at the pace of the game, uh, in some of our games, you're looking at like 120 possessions on our side earlier in the season. I think towards the end of the season here, we're probably looking at closer to around 70 possessions a game. That's going to limit how many points you can score. Um, we did get better as the season went on at finding higher percentage shots to take. You know, three-point shooting is something our program will be known for. And if you look at percentages, you may you may wonder what I'm talking about. But, you know, when you look at overall, you know, the growth of players throughout the season in three-point shooting or knowing their roles, are they a three-point shooter, are they not, you know, um, it's growing. And so that's this summer there will be a lot of time, you know, reinvested into shooting. I think Polina uh, is a great example of somebody who was one of the nation's top three-point shooters early. One hard thing to do is to be one of the nation's top three-point shooters and play 39 minutes a game. Yeah. And she, I, you know, Robin, Rob Cheney and I were looking at it, and there's one game we we don't have the official minutes played, but you know, even without, even you know, with that game, she she registers at 38 or something a game. I think it's probably about 39 a game before her injury. And so, you know, uh, again, that helps next year. You know, us, uh, us, our improvements in understanding where and when to shoot the ball. Early in the season, that first game I mentioned, 40 attempts. Um, I would like to see 40 attempts, which I think will drive people nuts here. But, uh, but at the same time, I want them to be maybe better selected shots. And in that first game, they maybe weren't the best selection. So. You mentioned looking forward to next year. You're going to have a lot of girls coming back, but you're also going to need to bring in some new new girls. What what is your recruiting pitch to get them to Tallahassee after your first season? Uh, the same thing. I think I've been saying to players 
for the majority of my career as a coach, which is, you know, and and I know a lot of coaches say these things, but I I really do believe most every player that's ever played for me would agree with this. We're about more than just basketball. We're going to develop you as a player, but we're also going to develop you as a leader. And that, I think where that, you know, maybe maybe some people have trouble believing that is that how can a team, everybody thinks of teams as having two captains or one leader. But I think if you walked into our locker room last night uh, post-game, and you listen to the young women in that locker room and the way they lead each other, or you see how they talk to each other during a timeout and coach each other up. Every single person on a team can be a leader, and and I think leadership culture has been a been a big mark of of what I I think I'm known for, and and I think it helps you perform better on the floor, and I think it's why six players can play into a double overtime in a hell of a game. Um, I don't think you can do that with just one leader, so. What's your goal for next year? This will be my last question so that you can go back when 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 you have a podcast next year and we're sitting in this same position. What will be your goal um, in this next calendar year? My first goal will be when we play Gulf Coast for the first time next year is not have Luke Fay cheer against us on the broadcast. <laughs> um, my second goal, uh, I, I promised our other Luke I would say something to that effect. Um my second goal would be, uh, you know, I think as a team, our uh, our focus on the the small things has been good this year. I think next year, a little more focus on that, a little more. It took us, the press we run is a little unique. Um, you know, we refer to it as Waffle House, and I think those who've seen it as it grew throughout the season know it, it can – it can drive teams mad when we're doing it right, but um, but you know that's an area that they're finally get it. Like they do get it, and they want to be in it. But it's just hard to do for with six bodies in a game. Like it's hard to do for very long. It's a high effort level and mentally, you know, uh, mentally focused level defense. And so you know next year to get that running full speed. The off season, you know, what we invest in the off season, you know, um, I, I, I just, I, I think that, you know, my goal for next year is that players, the investment that they're making in themselves at the beginning of the season, what they're eating, how much sleep they're getting, you know, I hope we are professionals about the way we do those things. I think we are a lot better at it now than we were at the beginning of the season, but. I, I think the rest of it, when you when when you know how to play um, with the level of passion we've been playing with lately, the you know and and I think you you invest in yourself during the in between time and the downtime, and and we have we have that same culture. I I I just you know I feel like there'll be less obstacles next year. I say, I'll say that I think they'll I think there'll be less obstacles. That's my number one goal. Let me tell you prehab. Prehab, prehab. <laughs> We're going to spend a ton of time on taking care of our ankles and hips and shoulders during the off season, so that we are uh, not dealing, hopefully, knock on wood, not dealing with these uh, this level of injury. Well, Matt, thanks for joining us. Any uh, any message to the Eagle fans as uh, we end this season here? Keep on cheering. Keep on showing up. We've had some great home crowds. You know. 
Um, I know the men's season has been exciting, but I guarantee you, uh, I don't think there have been many games we've played this year that wouldn't have had you on the edge of your seats, win or lose. So uh, I think our young women, uh, I think our young women are an incredible group that the fans that have gotten to know them have really enjoyed them. So I would love to have more people out here early in the season for non-conference play. Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you. Welcome back to TCC Talk. I'm your host, Luke Fay, alongside my great co-host and athletic director for TCC, Rob. How are you doing? It was a long, long night last night. We had to wait a while for the final over in Chipola and end up getting that win and TCC for the first time cheering for a Chipola Indian to beat Gulf Coast State <laughs> and give us our first title outright since 2001 in the Panhandle Conference. Well, first let me pop open my Diet Pepsi. Um, nice shout out for another of our fine uh, supporters here at, uh, at the College Refreshment Services Pepsi. They're just across the street on uh, Pensacola Street. But a uh, huge shout out to them and appreciate their support. But yes, um, fun night last night. Um, I was kind of chronicling things in my recap that I just got posted. Uh, went back and you know our our tweet um, was time stamped at 9:57 uh, when our game went final, and Chipola's final was time stamped at 11:07. So you know just a little bit over an hour in between winning our game and you know the group of us, of course, down here in the classroom next to the athletic offices with some Domino's pizza. Yeah. Uh, some Pepsi products and um, sat there and watched it all unfold and um, you know we got the result that gave us the outright championship so you go from it's kind of odd you know those last 10 minutes of our game things got you know pretty hairy there it did um, Pensacola State had cut it to two multiple times multiple, and yep. TCC was able to knock down a three and and keep them at bay with that 70, it was a 73 to 65 win. Right. But I mean, you're sitting here going, this could go either way, the uh, way, the way the game's going. Absolutely. And, you know, so you go from just uh, the, the tense atmosphere of those last 10 minutes to then now sitting back here and you're watching that game unfold. And, you know, for the longest time, it, it looked like, you know, that one was, well in hand and then Gulf Coast being the really good team that they are made a push you know Chipotle ends up with four players on the floor and now we're all you know kind of on pins and needles back there to see how that ends and um, you know Chipotle hung on so you go from a 10 minute stretch where gosh you know your own game is up in the air and now that kind of puts everything uh, in in doubt to having a share of the conference championship to then having it outright boom 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 just like that so it was it was a fun night um i think it'll be one that that we all you know are able to recall you know 10 15 20 years from now just as i was able to sit there and reflect on the night 19 years ago when we last won the outright championship uh, i can remember it very vividly, it was home game. I'm pretty sure it was against Northwest Florida State, and we won that one, and that gave us the outright title. And um, so, just uh, 
fun evening and cool to see our student athletes uh, win a championship. Zach was so worried about that game. He couldn't even watch Chipola versus Gulf Coast State, just checking in and out. Um, very nervous, but looking back at your hire that you made earlier on in 2019 following TCC's season, how important was it that you got that, that hire right and, and got Zach to stick with this program? Well, I think as athletic administrators, uh, you always hope to get any hire right. Um, like I said last night in an interview with um, Rory Chirac of the Tallahassee Democrat, you know, every search is unique in its own uh, respect. Um, and, and certainly we opened it up, but I think this is a, an example of where you can say sometimes you, you don't have to look too far from home to, to have the, the best candidate uh, in place. And, and certainly Zach had you know, one thing, one big thing going for him and in, in that he was the interim and that you know, he had coached the team and led the program over the final eight or nine games of the regular season. And, um, you know, I think we, we all felt comfortable, myself, um, my vice president, Dr. Sherry Rowland, felt very comfortable and confident that Zach could be a good fit for this team and for this program at this time. And um, I think certainly the results have uh, proven that point thus far. Did you think that the success would come so easily in year one? You never know. I'm sure he said it wasn't easy, but <laughs> I mean, it's that's hard to predict because of the conference that we play in. I mean, there are just so many things that have to fall into place. And I mean, you you can look at some teams, and and we we've, we've been in this boat. I mean, you know, on paper, uh, there are seasons where you're certain that you know one team is going to stand out above the rest and for whatever reason things just don't come together so there, there are so many wild cards um, when determining the success of a season um, but you know Zach and his staff they you know they worked extremely hard and I, I think that's you know you got a group of young guys there um, you know they're not married they you know they don't have families at this point you know basketball is their life in in many aspects and so they you know have put so much time and effort in into building this team and the program and you have to recruit extremely well uh, you can't have too many misses in the panhandle um, otherwise you're going to be at, at the bottom looking up at everybody so you can't have those and and I think um, you know they recruited well and they got everyone to buy in to the team concept, because uh, especially when you, you know, when you bring in Division One transfers, you know they're coming from a Division One mindset and yep. used to that experience, and uh, and sometimes that can be a toss up. Um, but I think we have um, just you know good individuals. Uh, they love the game. Uh, they love one another, and they're all about the team. And you know you, I, you know. If, if you ask me to sit here and um, tell you who you know, who would be the MVP of the team this year, I I don't know. I, I would really have to think about it. 
and it, I don't know that I could you land on one because there's probably been four or five different ones at different stretches and in different games. And so I think that's just the epitome of team basketball. And, and it's um, certainly led to a successful season thus far, and there's more basketball ahead. Rob, one thing that strikes me about this team is the amount of depth they've had. They've had the next man up mentality where they haven't been healthy throughout the entire season. And Rife and Miguel goes down at the very beginning of this game. Jordan Guest steps up, and he scores 15 in that first half, something that, you know, if, if you had told me at the beginning of the day that that would have happened, it actually would not have shocked me because they've done it all throughout the season. Yeah, you're, ex- you're, you're exactly right. You know, you've, you, we've already been without Rifen for one stretch. You know, we've been without Calix Stevens for a stretch. DeAndre Robinson was banged up when the season started. And I'm sure everybody yeah. you know, has bumps and bruises at this point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in a, in a crucial game with the stakes that we had last night and, and you have someone like Rifen go down right off the bat and, yeah, Jordan comes in and he scored 11 straight points for us during a stretch. I think it was three threes and a two. I mean, he was just catch and shoot, and he was in one of those zones that as a basketball player you love to be in. But that's that's what it takes to put together championship seasons uh, and seasons that are going to go deep in, into a postseason. You, you, you have to have everybody ready and, and available and able to step up and make a contribution on any given night. Rob, the first time TCC has held it outright since 2001. Um, the last time they shared was in 2006. Now they'll head to the state tournament. How important was it to be the Panhandle Conference champions looking at the bracket and how it'll work its way out? Well, unlike most regions in the NJCAA, you know, Florida, number one, it's not an all-inclusive tournament. Most regions start off with everybody participating. So that automatically has everyone eligible for an at-large bid. Um, Florida does not do that. You know, we we break up into four conferences, and so you've got to be one or two in your conference to to move into that region tournament. And then we also don't seed the tournament. We have a predetermined ro- bracket rotation that cycles through every six or seven years, and it just so happened that this year the Panhandle's number two seed opens up with Florida Southwestern, who right now is the number one team in the country. And not saying that from a you trying to dodge anybody or we don't think there's a team out there that we can't beat. But my goodness, you know, if if you're, you know, we've been top 20 all season and top 15 for the majority of that. And, and there was a scenario where, you know, if we win last night and Gulf Coast wins, now Saturday's finale at Gulf Coast becomes a game for the one seed and had that scenario played out and Gulf Coast wins that game we still would have had our share of the championship but Gulf Coast would have had the head-to-head and now we're opening up with Florida Southwestern so I think certainly looking bigger picture getting that one seed um, just man you know I, I think it really sets us up you know for you know some some good things to potentially happen as we go on into March. And if TCC is able to run the table, get to that state state championship, possibly win it, what will this go towards the national national rankings and going into that national championship? 
uh, run? Well, you know, only the only the tournament champ gets an automatic bid. Um, there are eight at-large berths available to the national tournament. However, there is a rule that caps any district at three participants. So essentially, that means Florida at the most can have two at-large bids. Um, I think just the the history of our region, uh, the strength and the reputation. I, I, I think we all feel like there's always going to be a second team come out of Florida. Um, but you have you know Florida Southwestern, who's ranked one. Uh, we're ranked number nine this week. College of Central Florida, I believe, moved up to 17 or 19, and they've kind of you know, run right through the Mid-Florida Conference. So you would kind of look at, you know, those, those are your three teams who are in the best position to be in Hutch, either as the, you know, if you don't win the tournament at large. But any slip-up, now, you know, you, you lose maybe a little bit of that control of your destiny, so to speak, because now you're also really watching the other districts closely yep. to make sure, and you got to hope that there's not a um, whole string of upsets that now start to steal bids, just the same way we talk about in uh, the NCAA. There's, there are some districts out there who, they're, they're a... They're like, a, a one, like a Dayton or a Wichita State. They're a one-bid... Yeah. They're a one-bid district, essentially. And if that team that is clearly the best team in the district, if they slip up in their district tournament, mm-hmm. you know, now you, you, you begin to steal some bids from you know, districts that probably are three-team districts. And so yeah. that's why, yeah, just for so many reasons, last night's win was so big, but... Even though we have the conference championship locked up, that's also why Saturday's game at Gulf Coast is incredibly huge as well. And you know, there, there, there will not be any uh, letdown or letting up just because we have the one seed from the Panhandle solidified. You know, Zach and the guys, I know they're going over there wanting to win that game just as badly as they wanted to win. Pensacola State on Wednesday night. And, of course, course, Gulf Coast State has uh, a tremendous amount to play for as well because if they win, they're in the tournament. They're in the region tournament. So, you know, they they still control their destiny uh, for the postseason, win and they're in. If they lose, now as we finish our game, now they will follow what goes on in Pensacola uh, where they play Northwest Florida State because if Gulf Coast loses – and Pensacola State wins. Now those two teams will tie for second, and they'll play it off on Tuesday night. Well, Rob, we were talking a lot about the men's men's game and how important that was, but the men's game was pushed back a little bit because <laughs> of a double overtime thrower in which TCC fell to Pensacola State. But with six players, you got to love the heart that the ladies put out there. Luke, sometimes wins um, don't always get reflected in the final score or in the win-loss column. And Mm -hmm. for so many reasons, um, I think Matt and those young ladies last night can walk away just so proud of their effort and the heart that they displayed. I mean, you know, we we talked about this uh, really throughout the season as we did some of our podcasts. He never had a healthy squad. 
for, mm -hmm. and, and we've got one more game to go. So for 20, 26 games, he didn't have a full roster, not, not one time. It was just a revolving door of who's injured this game or this week or this stretch of the season. And, you know, you, all you can do is go out and play with who you have. And, and we were down to six last night, and, and those six young ladies laid it all on the line. I mean, I think, I think you know, we were probably concerned about just holding up for the 40 minutes against yeah. a really good and physical and aggressive Pensacola team. But then you go to two overtimes, and you know, now that's 10 more minutes, and you don't have you don't have extra bodies to distribute those minutes to. Um, you know, all six players played at least 31 minutes. Four of the six logged at least, I believe it was 44 minutes. Um, you know, two played. I mean, it looked like from the stat sheet that they they might have come off for just like a couple of possessions. They were just under the full 50, but. Um, Rob, this is, this is a team that shot, I believe it was 11 of 11 from the free throw line, headed into overtime. They had to make every single free throw in order to be in it. And Pensacola State yeah. was, I believe, 2 of 8. Yeah, and I, I kept waiting. You know, you, you know, in a game like that, you, you keep every thinking. Every point matters. You keep thinking, man, you know, the, the legs are going to go. And yeah. free throws are one of those places where you, you kind of see it. Um, and they just, man, they just kept knocking down shots and knocking down shots, and um, just, just, just so you know, happy with how they fought and competed, because it would have been real easy to feel sorry for yourself and 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 wave the wave the white flag and and just kind of concede that one. But I mean, you could tell that was never and yeah. never crossed their mind. The players. Matt and Joe, they're on the bench coaching, coaching them up. Um, the, you know, the, the, the other half of the bench who uh, wasn't able to dress and be on the floor were sitting there cheering, encouraging uh, their teammates. And, um, you know, it's just one of those that it doesn't, doesn't show up as a win, but I, I think, um, you know, you, felt, you just felt proud for Tallahassee Community College women's basketball last night to see them give that effort in those circumstances. Looking towards the future with them, they're going to have a lot of playmakers come back for next year. How <clears throat> confident are you knowing that this team has been battle-tested in year one with Coach Huddleston? Well, first I'm going to say this. I think a lot of people from the outside, you know, if, if, if all they see are uh, scores and what our win-loss record is, I think a lot of people probably aren't aware that, that we sat out Deja Bradford this year. Mm -hmm. um, we felt like that was a decision that was in her best long-term interest, uh, particular, particularly for her recruitment with the four-year schools. Because you know, we were able to kind of get her in a better position academically, and now she's going to be ready to go next year uh, on track to be a spring 21 graduate. And four-year schools love that because now they can get you on their campus right when the summer begins or at the earliest possible moment. If Deja Bradford is on the floor this season. She's arguably the best player in the Panhandle Conference. Yeah, at, she was at, arguably her um, freshman year the best player. Especially if you're talking about offensive skill set, okay? So, um, you know, she did not play this year. That was a, you know, that was a, a, a big hole to try and fill. But you get her back next year, um, 
I mean, now you 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 have a sizable nucleus of freshmen who they haven't just you know watched from the sidelines. I mean, they have they have played considerable minutes and they had some success. I mean, let's not forget you know, this team beat two top five nationally ranked opponents this season. And there's only a very small handful of teams who were able to say that this year. So you saw the potential in in those games against the Gulf Coast and against the Chipotle, and even in some of the other games that, that they lost. You, you see how good they can be. And so when you have the, um, the, the twins coming back, uh, Anna and Paulina, and I saw you, crack a smile at me last night when I got all tongue-tied on uh, yeah. Anna's last name out of a timeout. Niccolo Chikina. Um, there we go. When you have you have those two coming back, um, Olivia. Anna, she was battling injury throughout yeah, the entire Anna, season Anna and peaked was, at the right time. Yes, and and I don't know that she ever got to 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have those two, two coming back. Um, Olivia Eller, um, who missed the last... Uh, you know, gosh, I guess she probably missed most of the panhandle schedule uh, now that I think about it. But you have her coming back. Kyra Smith, I think you saw Kyra take some nice strides over the course of the panhandle schedule. Um, Brianna Chambers, I think you know, this you getting a year of this level of competition under her belt, I think you'll see a, a big step forward from year one to year two. Sadeja Payne. Um, got better and better over the course of the season. You know, turned into a virtual double double machine in conference play. Um, Casey Villanueva, you know, she I, I think she was twenty points and double digit rebounds her first two games as a true freshman, and then suffers a knee injury about six games in, and that was it for her. Um, uh, you know, Tariah Bryant. I mean, you can go on and on. Um, but getting Deja Bradford back to go along with that um, can really be a benefit to all of those players because of how Deja will open up the floor. And she's been able to practice with them throughout mm-hmm. the year, so it's not like you're you're putting in a new player into the, the system that needs to figure it out. The, Whereas you look at the rest of the panhandle, a lot of turnover will be happening with sophomores leaving and, and freshmen leaving, moving throughout. But TCC, one of those teams where – this was a rebuilding year that, that you could you could easily argue it's a rebuilding year that the expectations were lowered a little bit compared to what Coach Q had before because with Coach Q, he set that championship mentality. And if you're Deja Bradford coming in a year <laughs> after that, you know what it takes to right. win. Yeah, you're right. Um, of course, you know, Matt, um, you know, we got him hired. You know, kind of late yeah. in the cycle. And, you know, so I know – I know he was um, Rob. We were joking behind. around. It's not his players; it's Rob Chang's <laughs> right. players. I know. You know he was he was behind the eight ball a little bit, um, but ne- you know you never heard you never heard one excuse out of out of Matt out of any of the the young ladies. And that was one thing you know that myself and Joe just tried to keep encouraging them with as we went through the search last summer. It's like, look, you, you know, you can sit here and we can. You know, we can make excuses right now, or you go, you all can just, hey, bond together, press forward, and be ready to go when we get the coach in here. And they did that. Um, you know, playing in the playing in the panhandle, 
you just the you know the margin of error is so thin, and um, you know, but listen, when all is said and done, um, proud proud of the team. Matt's done a heck of a job, and you know now he gets a the benefit of a you know a full cycle when it comes to recruiting and and yeah. really beginning to you know implement his program and his culture. And I think you've seen. Uh, you you already see that through uh, the, the team, and you see them take on his approach and his mentality. And um, you know, there's no doubt. You know, we'll uh, you know we, we will still be a, a force to be reckoned. Rob, I wanted to switch just late back to the the men's um, side for people who want to know the state tournament. Where is it going to be taking place, and and what weekend are we going to see the Eagles participate in that? Well, the tournament moves to a new site this year. For the last six years, uh, we've been down in Ocala at the College of Central Florida, but the, uh, the tournament moves back up into the panhandle this year over at Northwest Florida State College. If you haven't been over there since 2011, you need to go. Uh, Beautiful they, facility. Unbelievable. Um, the arena is what it's called. Um, it's just it's tailor-made for an event like this. Um, it it can help prepare you for either Hutch or Lubbock because it's that arena format. It's kind of got the you know the open air um, backdrop behind uh, behind the baskets, which you know we, we all talk about. I've heard the coaches talk you know many times. You know the depth perception with the shooters. It can take a little bit of, of uh, getting used to, and so I think for us um, having played two games over there uh, this season, you know, we will at least be used to it somewhat. Um, But it's a wonderful facility, and uh, it's over there in in Niceville, so about two hours, maybe a little more than two hours west of Tallahassee. Of course, they're in the central time zone, so when you're looking at brackets, make sure you account for the time change because when you see official brackets posted, that's going to be local time. Anything that I write and publish through tccegles.com or on social media, I will I will talk to you in Tallahassee time, okay? But the tournament uh, for the men begins Wednesday, March 4th uh, with four quarterfinal games. The semifinals will be on Friday and the championship game on Saturday, March 7th. What we do know is we will play the uh, first game of the evening session on Wednesday, March 4th. It'll be a 7 p.m. Eastern tip, and because it's the first game of that session, uh, we'll start at 7 o'clock unless the one or both games in the early session go multiple overtimes and really yeah. gets you off schedule. There's always uh, some uh, extra time built in. So uh, scheduled tip-off is 7 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday, March 4th. We'll play the number two seed from the Suncoast Conference. They do a play-in tournament between their two through five teams to determine that berth. So um, those games will be played Monday and Tuesday night. So Tuesday night, we'll know who the opponent is. It, it'll either be State College of Florida, who has one of the most dynamic scores in the country. Uh, it'll be uh, Polk State, who has spent some time in the national poll this year. Uh, they have wins over, I believe, Chipola and Gulf Coast State. Um, or it'll be Hillsborough or St. Petersburg. Um, so it's, listen, at, at this point of the season, he, uh, 
whether it's in Niceville or if we're fortunate enough to get to Hutchinson, Kansas, um, you know, there, there aren't any uh, cakewalks left. How exciting is it going to be to play in that tournament style where you're playing back-to-back-to-back games and you don't really get to see that throughout the season? It's fun. Um, you know, the guys, because they start on Wednesday, you know, they'll, they'll get a bye day on Thursday, mm-hmm. um, you know, whereas the women – their bye day is Wednesday, essentially, and, and their games are Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, but I think any time in any sport when you get into postseason tournament play, it's exciting. Um, it just, um, you know, it, it brings back just, you know, a lot of memories of, you know, your youth when you were in uh, those type of events or even as a fan and watching uh, from home on TV or, or wherever, and especially with basketball, because you know, NCAA tournament March Madness that's just such a big part of our sport sports culture today, especially this time of the year. So I hope um, you know, the, the the players and the coaches appreciate the opportunity um, and just take advantage of it because you know for the bulk of these guys, you know this is their only shot at this with Tallahassee. Rob. Anything that you can say to the fans as as we leave right now? I know that the basketball season is finishing up, but could you credit the fans for coming out here and really supporting the Eagles throughout this season? No, uh, good good fan support throughout. Um, I mean, we all know, you know, here in Tallahassee, you know, we're we're battling a lot of other uh, opportunities for uh, the community to get out and show their support, be it. FSU, Florida A&M, local high schools. I mean, numerous uh, sporting opportunities uh, here in Tallahassee. But just want to say a big thank you uh, to the support that we've had uh, both on campus and in the community this season. Um, You know, I always take pride in knowing that out of all all the teams here in town, we're the only ones that get to have Tallahassee on the chest. So, you know, we're Tallahassee's team. Uh, you know, we represent uh, to the best of our ability, and, and I hope uh, the city and the county uh, can take pride in, in seeing Tallahassee Community College have a championship ball team, and, and we'll continue to press forward as we move into the postseason and see if we can't um, claim another banner or two as we go into March. Yeah, of course, Rob, and let's not forget that the baseball and softball teams are still playing, uh, track getting underway, so athletics not over for this spring session. Not at all. Um, it's crazy to think, you know, the you know, baseball and softball teams, they're actually about two and a half weeks out from starting their conference schedule. Um, softball, um, you're playing some good ball as of late. Uh, you were out there with us last week. Yep. Um, swept a couple of double headers. You saw a potent offense um, on display, uh, just swinging the bats really well. Um, ran into a, a good Santa Fe team on uh, Tuesday, uh, earlier this week on Tuesday. But, um, you know, everything everything is geared towards preparing and being ready for that conference schedule because you got it. Again, you have to be one or two to advance into the region tournament. Now, softball and baseball does not have at-large bids to national, so you got to win it to advance. Um, but you know they're they're playing good competition. Softball is headed down to 
uh, the Orlando area this weekend to play in a, a very competitive tournament hosted by uh, Seminole State College. It's the Courtney Miller Invitational, named for the longtime and outstanding coach at Seminole State College, Courtney Miller. Uh, we're going to play some really good teams there, Miami-Dade, Seminole State. Uh, they're nationally ranked, and we're playing Florida Southwestern, who's nationally ranked. Uh, so it's going to be more more games to really prepare us for the, the grind of the Panhandle Conference. Baseball, um, beginning to kind of turn that corner. Uh, they, they've had some early season injuries, but uh, they picked up a really good win. Uh, first part of this week as well, beating Santa Fe College 3-2. to two. Uh, then beat a really good South Georgia State College team who we had already seen them in person. They beat us here a couple of weeks ago. We beat them 11-1 to 1 on uh, Tuesday night. And, of course, um, you know, we're, we're counting down towards 1,000 career wins for head coach Mike McLeod. He's now at 993. So getting closer, and I think you know, after this weekend we'll – begin to get a sense of when that might occur. We've got a really good series coming up Friday and Saturday, three games against Chattahoochee Valley Community College. This is about the fifth or sixth year now that they've come down at this uh, time of the, the season for a series. Um, they've, they've emerged over the last decade as uh, the, the, the team to beat in Alabama. So this is a really good measuring stick for us as we move closer to conference play, but we've got uh, three games with them, and then a home and away with St. John's River State College, who they were number two in the region last week before dropping four straight. But they're a really good team. Um, got a couple of games coming up with Abraham Baldwin. Um, and then before you know it, uh, it's going to be the conference opener against Chipola. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Diamond Eagles are just moving right along with their season schedule. And then I spent about 30 minutes on the phone earlier today with Gary Droz, our uh, head coach for cross country and track, kind of finalizing the uh, details for the upcoming track season. Um, as it stands right now, it looks like we'll open things up on March 7th at a race up in uh, Smith Station, Alabama, which is just west of the Phoenix City area, kind of between there and Auburn. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a busy time, and and again with basketball, uh, you know, extending into March, it's going to keep a lot of that overlap going. But that's the kind of overlap that you like to see. You you, you want to see your teams and your student athletes and your coaches earn the opportunities to compete for championships. And um, with men's basketball, that's what we're about to go and do. Rob, exciting times here at TCC. Uh, Hopefully we can do great in the postseason and finish off the, the slate strong here in the spring semester. Yeah, let me just say one more thing, Luke. Um, as we begin to, to pull information and details together you know, for the state basketball tournament, we will create a um, tournament central page on our website. So visit tccegles.com and you'll find really anything and everything that you need to know about the state tournament. Um, dates, times, ticket information, uh, how to how to watch the game. They'll be streaming the games uh, throughout. Um, obviously, you know, I'll be there and we'll be providing some coverage. Um, but just you know, tccegles.com is going to be is going to be the place to go to to know what's happening in Niceville. Well, Rob, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Luke. Go Eagles. Go Eagles.